Welcome to the Geek Exploring on Off Topic Debrief. Was that mushy? I don't know. But I'm John Williams. And I'm Ben Robinson. And uh, we're here to uh, talk about some stuff and uh, some... Things. Yeah, some things and, and some topics. Mm-hmm. And uh, some dumpster fires, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I think, that'll, I think that'll probably be the main focus. I mean, and this is one of those rare occasions. In fact, I've, uh, looking at my notes... I've got both sides of what it is to do a show that is, uh, you know, like current news, but doing it every other week. So like, even though, well, I think, yeah, we had a, uh, we had an on topic in the middle of this. So it's been three weeks since we, oh, since yes, we did yeah. an off topic debrief. So I've got shit like the Sandman trailer from Comic-Con, which we already talked about in our Comic-Con episode and like the Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio trailer. Oh yeah. I did you know, see which, some which stuff from that. It's, it's a few weeks old at this point, or, you know, we got a couple of deaths too. Of course we do. But they're old. Hopefully they're old. You don't want young people to die. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so how you doing, John? Um, I'm doing surprisingly well. well that's that's good to hear. I think maybe my body hasn't caught up to me because, uh, you know, as you know, uh, your family came over last night and we had some drinks and played some games. I had some more drinks. You guys left at like midnight. I stayed up until like 4.30 having some more drinks and drawing a bunch. Christ. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised at, um, at how spry I'm feeling yeah. or the fact that I even came up. I figured maybe today would be remote. I know my wife's feeling rather hungover. Yeah. She was, I'd say in rare form, but it's not that rare. <laughs> she was just in form. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a good time. We, we, you know, I'd never played Pandemic before, and um, I'm really looking forward to playing it again. Yeah, it turns out that game everyone says is good, is good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and you guys are even leaving right after this. So it's like I drove, or I will have driven an hour and a half to sit here for an hour and, <laughs> and record a show. Yeah, and, you, and, you, and you, you're looking pretty chipper about the oh, whole thing. You. So, you know. Yeah, I, I wanted to get out of the house at some point today. I didn't, I didn't want to just sit inside all day. That's what I do during the week when I work at home. Um, but how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. good. I was the DD last night, so I'm not hungover at all. Uh, but I, I still got to sleep in with no one bugging me because uh, the wife was. So like, <laughs> Yeah. I was laid in bed till 11 o'clock anyway. It was nice. Yeah, I don't usually sleep longer than uh, than Angelina, but I guess when she goes to bed at midnight and I stay up four more hours, then yeah, it actually happened. And she kept doing like the little like you know little kiss on the shoulder, a little you know little touch on the arm. I'm like, I just sort of like roll over, like leave me alone. Like, yeah, I'm I'm not one who can who can just fall back asleep real quick. Yeah, me like either. if you wake me up at eight in the morning after I went to bed at four thirty, I'm gonna be pissed and tired. I would not be here right now if that were the case. I slept until like 11. Nice. Productive day. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's, it's going to be now because yeah. we're here recording. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's what God did anyway. He rested. Yeah. If it's good this enough for s- God, it's yeah. good enough for us. Sabbath day. <laughs> um, well, we are Geek Exploration, the podcast. We, uh, we pick a geeky topic and talk about it every other week. And on shows like today, we, uh, we talk about a bunch of other things. Um, you can... Interact with us, and you should, by uh, hitting us up either at uh, email at geeksplorationpodcast.com. You can find us on any of the social medias, uh, Facebook, Geeksploration the Podcast page, Instagram, Geeksploration Podcast, and Twitter at Geeksplorepod. Or the best way to do it, or my favorite, is to call in and uh, and uh, interact with us. Leave a voicemail for us, 
ask a question, uh, propose a topic. Uh, I don't know. Do anything. It's 916-ORC-TURD. 916-O-R-C-T-U-R-D. Um, so what do we got on the old docket today, Ben? Uh, should we save, save the big one for the end? Yeah, probably. Um, so uh, there was an article a while ago uh, about this, and, uh, and I guess it's happened now. Toys R Us is back. Oh, shit. Brick and mortar? Kinda, yeah. Okay. So there are now, uh, I think it was like 55 Toys R Us locations that are opening now between now and October in um, across North America. Ooh, like like the United States, because it technically didn't oh, yeah, fully disappear in, in Canada. Canada yeah. yeah, but th- th- there's a bit of a hitch. Mm. It's opening up inside of existing Macy's. Hmm. So they're they're supposedly they're making them look like Toys R Us's, but Let, it's it's like inside a Macy's. Is it's it like a, a section. section of? Okay. Yeah. You know. Interestingly enough, I, that sounds familiar that like, I feel like I saw just like a little more like an end cap sort of thing, but it had Toys R Us branding like several months ago. They're meant to be anywhere from a thousand to 10,000 square feet within the Macy's. 10,000 is quite a lot. Uh, it's still not quite as big as an actual Toys R Us was, but, and I think those ones are going to be in like their big flagship stores like San Francisco and New York and Chicago and shit. But Sacramento is getting one. Like the, oh, the, the, okay. the Macy's at the Arden Fair Mall will have Ew. a Toys R Us in it. Arden Fair Mall, come on, go to the fucking Galleria. Not only because it's like a mile <laughs> away from me, but uh, it's also a very big mall, and it's not Arden. You can generally discourage me to going to something if by telling me it's at the Macy's at the Arden Fair Mall. That'll usually get me to not, yeah, to lose interest. So. I don't know if I'm going to make my way down there at all. I mean, I'm kind of curious. Part of the wonder, though, of Toys R Us was its sheer size. Yeah. Was that you? That it was an entire store. It, you know, because you got like the toy aisle at Target is easily a thousand square feet. Oh really? Oh geez. Oh like like all of the all of the the toy aisles. Like yeah, like whatever like aisle. whatever like you know eight ten of them. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Like the the toy section. Okay. You know, and so if you just took that and slapped. Toys R Us branding on it, like, is that, that's, that doesn't do no. anything for me. I mean, if they stock it better than Target stocks theirs, then, uh, yeah, there might be something to it. Still not worth going hard in Fair Mall. But, like, going into, like, an entire store, like, a you know, a big box store that, where, like, you know, w- instead of having a toy aisle, it had, like, the four action figure aisles mm-hmm. and, the, and the giant video game section. This is the doll section. We're not going in there. Yeah, right. Yeah, let's look at that little pink area over there. We don't worry about that area over there. And an actual aisle with power wheels all over the place. Like, yeah, it, it just had all the toys, and it was amazing. And it had a smell too. That that was that was unmistakable. Toys are a smell when I would walk through those doors. The smell of dreams come true, John. <laughs> so I mean, it's kind of cool that it's back, but it's more of a like a branding, yeah, thing. And I, you know. The brand was never really what was magical to me as a kid. It was like you walk in there and like your mom gave you 20 bucks to spend. It's like, oh my God, I have no idea what Mm -hmm. I'm going to buy now. I have so many options. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things where like when we were kids, it was so magical. But then when we were adults, like, I don't know if it was just that we were, we were out of touch with what kids wanted at that point or because like Toys R Us later on sucked. 
Like like in the years before it went out of business, There's Toys R Us was was yeah was shit and it was garbage. Like it it didn't even seem like they were stocking toys like they did when we were kids. But I don't know if that if you know kids in you know twenty twelve still had the same magical feeling that we did when we were kids. But well, they've got like the entire universe in their pocket. Yeah, that's true. Like you know, how do you impress those kids with chunks of plastic? Yeah, ToysRUs.com doesn't mean shit. So, eh, it's kind of cool, but uh, kind of also nothing. Yeah, it's it's bittersweet. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I would like to just talk very briefly about um, what I mentioned earlier, the Guillermo del Toro uh, Pinocchio movie. Have you seen the trailer for this? Like, I haven't seen the actual trailer, but I've mm-hmm. seen, like, uh, some shots and a few, like, uh, little video images Video images. Video images. <laughs> <laughs> of, of like clips, I guess is the word I was looking for. Of of the like the stop motion animation and it looks fucking cool. Yeah. Like I, I had heard about his uh his Pinocchio project and you're like, okay, that could be cool. Guillermo del Toro does does great visuals. This, you know, it'll be if nothing else, it'll be visually interesting. But then, you know, right before I watched the trailer, I heard that it was stop motion. I never knew that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, interesting. And this shit looks cool good i mean del toro is like the the vanguard on the uh the forefront of keeping practical effects alive yeah like he is he is doing his part to yeah. keep practical effects in movies and uh what a wonderful part it is like he he has some beautiful disturbing and wonderful imagery uh most of which is done you know through good old-fashioned movie magic and not computer pixie magic yeah i can't say i've seen all of his flicks but i feel like the last one that i remember you know really watching and paying attention to from beginning to end was uh shape of water yeah and just like like looking at at how they did all of like you know the apartment underwater um stuff you know that where where it's i mean it's done it's done in camera and uh and like all of that all the suit stuff that uh that doug jones is in like yeah, he he does what he does very well, and I'm glad he does it. Like whether or not the uh, the movie itself is the best thing in the world, like he doesn't have to win an Oscar every time for for best picture, but you know the effects should always be recognized. And he he does a pretty good job with storytelling. Like Shape of Water is cool. Like I mean, it it's an interesting story. It's not my favorite of his movies, but it does effectively tell the story that he's trying yeah. to tell, uh, both visually and emotionally, and you know, it's kind of a weird story, so it's not the kind of thing that's going to be for everybody, I guess. Yeah. But, but he's effective at what he does. Yeah, and and the, as you were saying that, that's yeah, that's what jumped out. Like he is a a magnificent storyteller. Yeah. So so I'm I'm very. I mean, between this one and Disney's fucking Geppetto with is it Tom Hanks playing yeah. Geppetto? Fuck off. Yeah. Eat not interested. Shit. When I, when I heard when I first heard Guillermo del Toro doing Pinocchio, I was like, oh no, because I thought Disney. Oh, I'm like, oh, they're going to, you got it. And then I heard it was not Disney related at all. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm much more interested. <laughs> How's he going to creep this up? Yeah. 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 Pan's Labyrinth is still probably in my like top 20 movies. Yeah. That's, that's wild. Okay. I, I know I, I never that finished movie. that one. Really? Oh, the I, end's one of the best parts of that movie. Oh yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm, I've got it. <laughs> I should go watch it. I have a hard time with subtitles, especially when it's a, when it's a movie I want to look at. That's fair because there is a lot of cool stuff to look at in that movie. Yeah, fucking eyeball hand man. Yes. So yeah, watch that trailer. Enough of your your video 
images or whatever you call them. <laughs> Five minutes of consecutive video images with sound. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like the train's coming right at you. <laughs> so, uh, I got a little bit of uh, video game news. Cool. There was some information came out recently about GTA 6. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, which, I mean, has been, like, in development for eternity, it seemed like. Yeah, a decade. Was it, like, yeah, it was, 10 years ago that GTA 5 came out? Something like that? Bonkers. 2012, yeah, or 2013, somewhere around there? Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Uh, But they keep making money off of it, so why make a new one? I got to say, though, the, the the news that came out didn't exactly get me excited about it. Oh, shit. So, like, it was... Uh, Is Alex Kurtzman in charge of it? <laughs> or, or, did Disney, <laughs> or did Disney buy him? <laughs> They're going to make a... A PG-13? <laughs> yeah. uh, not, quite, not quite that bad. <laughs> but, I mean... They, they came out and, uh, I mean, it was announced that they're going to have a female protagonist alongside a male. They're doing like a Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing, which okay. is kind of cool. Yeah. Like, that's neat. Uh, but they also said that they're, they're basically, they're shying away from offensive jokes and stereotypes. And like, 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 oh, we want fewer sexist and racist jokes and, uh, we're, we're going to try not to punch down to marginalized groups. And it's like, oh, fuck me. A PC GTA? Yeah, yeah. I don't like, know if I'm interested in that. Full disclaimer here: Don't fucking cancel us. Like, right. like, like Fuck we're off. a bunch of fucking sexist, racist, fucking. Yeah, you can't have fun with sexist, yeah, racist exactly. jokes in your game. Like, no, but I want. I mean, the best one of the best parts about GTA, aside from you know just killing and blowing everything up, which was fantastic. They better not change that. But it was the humor that was in the those games, the satire of American culture? Yes. Being able to poke fun at everybody, and and they do poke fun a- across the board, and saying like, well, you know, these people, we can't make fun of them, and we can't make any jokes about them. You know, we, we don't want to punch down to you know, but the same shit that's been affecting a lot of like stand up comedians and, yeah. and stuff, where you know, like, oh well, no, you can't joke about that, and like, oh, f- no, fuck off, you can you can joke about anything. Yeah, don't do it with malice, trying to hurt people, which I don't think GTA's ever done. I don't think that's ever been their goal. No. To hurt anybody. It is it is satire. <laughs> it's the player's goal to hurt people. Yes, but. yeah, yeah. We bring that to the table, not yeah. them. They just give you the platform from which you can hurt people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sucks. Cause I because GTA is something more like like a uh like a Seinfeld or an Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where it's like yeah. it's satire and and it's it's showing you what horrible people do. It's not it's not glorifying what horrible people do. It's just showing you characters who just happen to be pieces of shit. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean that it's going to suck. I mean, maybe it'll still be a great game, but it does not give me hope. And I guess like they did a big, like changed a ton of staff out at Rockstar North. It was described as having like a frat boy culture and they, you know, they want to be a more inclusive and acceptable works, which is great for a workspace. But honestly, like I kind of want my GTA game to come from a frat boy culture studio. You know, I don't want them to be, you know, roofing anybody or anything yeah. like that but i mean i i kind of want a little bit of you know i don't want it coming from like a structured corporate office where everything's yeah. safe and and uh comfortable i don't think that breeds a good gta game yeah no that's right i mean i, mean, I, I agree i'm seeing it similar to like when when you know the studio heads decided to make 
a PG-13 RoboCop movie or, you know, PG-13 Aliens versus Predator movies. You know, it's like, that's not what we want. Like, that that's not what the property is about. It doesn't need reinventing. If, if it needed reinventing, cool. But I think the fact that GTA 5 is still being updated and going a decade later, it, you know, is proof that it doesn't need to, to be, yeah. um, it doesn't need to be constrained or, or, you know, like it doesn't need to be pulled back from what, like, if anything, I'd say go fucking crazier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Th- yeah. They're not going to hit the news anymore like i mean they're they're not going to be in you know i mean the thing you heard about gta before is that it was corrupting the youth it needed to be banned and now the news is it's all sunshine and rainbows and they're not going to make anybody mad and it's like well that's not yeah i mean it's not the spirit of this game at all and and who knows this game could come out and it could just feel exactly like a gta game just in subtle ways they 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 decided not to make certain decisions and you know maybe it'll be great but it just sucks that that's the public edict. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Take Two took them over, and I mean, I, I, they're making a lot of money off GTA Five. I, part of me is concerned that it's going to be even more online focused and microtransactions. Yeah, and it'll end. Up, I mean, because that's where they're making all their money right now. They're not making yeah. money off sales. So, like, it, that it'll be like a Call of Duty game where, like, the story mode is kind of an afterthought. It's, it's got a story. You can kind of burn through it in eight hours, and uh, then you get to play online. And that's the focus of the game. The story mode teaches, it's like like a big instructional video on how to, yeah. how to you know, do things. How to grand theft. Yeah, <laughs> those autos. And just phrases like, we don't want to punch down to marginalize. Like, who, who isn't a marginalized group these days? I mean, hell, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the token or like the, the prime example of a non-marginalized group would be white men. But man... There's a lot of white men out there that, that, that claim marginalization all the time. Like, everyone has a claim at being marginalized. You can find a way to be marginalized. Yeah, fuck off. With, yeah, yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's just I, I don't know. It, just, it seems like when you're trying to tiptoe around sensitive people, uh, you end up with a, a tamer product. And I do not want a tamer GTA. Yeah, and, and, and that, that's exactly it. Like, I, like I, I, I think, I don't think what they're saying is 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 a, is a bad thing at all you know like like they're no. uh, but that's just not what i want out of my gta yes what what do you got that is not warner brothers related because uh, i've got some science ish news okay did you happen to see it went all around social media a picture of proxima centauri it was, it was supposedly from the james webb space telescope it was a picture of like a, of a close-up of of the nearest star to us. Was it the one with the black hole in the middle? No, no, it's just, oh, okay. it's just a big circle on uh, here. I'll show you a picture of it. The only thing I saw recently was like a galaxy that has a black hole in the center of it. Apparently it was that picture there. Okay. No, I did not see that. Hey, that looks like uh, one of the planets that Dan colors for us. <laughs> but yeah, so it was, uh, I guess the, um, a, a French uh, physicist, and I guess he's the director of France's alternative energies and atomic energy commission, uh, Etienne Klein okay. tweeted it out with the caption, picture of Proxima Centauri, the nearest star to the sun, located 4.2 light years away from us. It was taken by the James Webb Space Telescope. This level of detail, a new world is unveiled every day. And it went across the fucking internet. Like everyone's like, oh my God, look at this. This is amazing. I can't wait to hear what this thing actually is because <laughs> I feel like that's the setup. Oh, it is. And, oh. yeah, it is uh, it's a slice of chorizo on a black background. <laughs> it's a sausage. <laughs> Let me see that picture again. Did the person do it on purpose? Oh yeah. 
That is definitely a, a slice of chorizo. <laughs> Why? What? It was a joke kind of saying like, hey, you know, don't just take pictures for what they're worth, you guys. Like, you know, like use your brain a little bit. His reply to it later was, well, when it's cocktail hour, cognitive bias seems to have pl- find plenty to enjoy. Beware of it. According to the contemporary cosmology, no object related to Spanish charcuterie exists anywhere else other than on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I bet a lot of people on the internet felt dumb. Uh, yeah, and a bunch of them got angry about it because uh, people don't like feeling dumb, it turns <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's so beautiful. Can you believe the level of detail we're getting? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was fun. Yeah, that's great. That is science-ish. All right, now on to something considerably less scientific. What, Warner Brothers? Warner Brothers. Let's let's talk about Warner Brothers and, and David Zaslav and all them changes there. I mean, I think the easy one to say is is that, like, it, it okay, so Warner Brothers had a, uh, like, investor day call where they were going all, yes. where they were going over things and explaining things and talking about the future. And um, one of the, one of the quick hits is that Flash is, it's, it's still happening. They had said that before, but they confirmed it again. Like, they believe in the movie. I think all reports are, even if the movie does well, like Ezra Miller will not be coming back as the Flash. Like they, they can't. Oh yeah, they can't invest hundreds of millions in that guy. No, yeah, that ship has sailed. I would presume. Portedly, you know, they really love that movie. Coming out of that also was that they're putting together a ten-year plan. I'm sure that. I mean, that's been all over the headlines, all over the internet. So I feel, I feel dumb, like regurgitating. Oh, Warner Brothers ten-year plan. Ugh. But what got me excited was that. It is like like the tent poles of that includes Superman. Of course it does. He is a priority and thank goodness they've they've got a a person who comes in here and looks at what they're doing. Like he he walks in they're like okay we've got these CW shows that are that are mediocre. We've got a Batgirl movie, we've got a potential Supergirl movie spinning out of the Flash. We've got a Wonder Twins movie in the works. And Superman is languishing. Our two big properties are Superman and Batman, and neither of them are doing anything. Right yeah, now. I mean, I mean, there was yeah, there there was the Batman, but that's its own thing, and like it, it doesn't have it doesn't uh, corporate speak. Here we go, synergy, you know, with anything else, you know, like they they want to turn this into a prestige product, and you're not going to do that with the fucking Wonder Twins. Like, what are you thinking? So thank goodness this guy has the the in my opinion the balls and the leadership to come in and say no fuck this it sucks to glorify what ezra miller is doing you know by by not addressing it whatsoever but at the same time you know it's it's somebody who comes in and goes this works and this is going to elevate our product and our brand and this other thing over here does not and we do not believe in it and it is just going to go away. To be willing to axe Batgirl. Yeah. You know, something they'd spent 90 million bucks on already. Doesn't sound like it was done yet. Like ready for release. Um, Cause like the, the directors came out in their statement, they said it was far from finished, but it'd been test screened. So yeah. it was good enough to be test screens. I mean, yeah. it test screened and like needed extensive reshoots to be good. And, and they were like, all right, cool. You know, we could cha- make some changes. We only need like 30 million more dollars. And they're like, yeah, you know what? No. From what I understand, from what I've read, the movie is fully shot and cut, but yeah, it was probably special effects, but uh, 
yeah, Warner Brothers. Wow, I don't know why I brain farted on that. Had already added more money into it, and they'd gone back and done reshoots because when they first watched it, they were like, or I, I think it was when Zaslav first came in. He's like, "Why are we making this this movie for streaming?" Like Zaslav's thing is just like fuck streaming. Like yes. nothing's going direct to streaming. Yeah, or no movies. So they're like, we need to elevate this so it can be re- uh, released theatrically. So then they, they pumped some more money into it. And, uh, and then when they saw the product that came out of it, they're just like, we can't put this in theaters. Like it'll, it'll make a, it'll make a joke out of us. Um, I saw, I don't know of the, um, the validity of it. Cause you know, it was just, uh, like a screenshot, like a meme, but like somebody had like taken a little picture of, of what was reportedly like a script page from it where, um, ah, I didn't have time to, to write the note, but there was like a, a bat like joke in it, like a pun, like some dude's talking to Batgirl and he's like, what's that thing you were talking about? Like bat, oh, bat something. And he's like, is that like your catchphrase or something? And, I'm, and like, it was just super, cr- man, that, that sucks. I'm not doing it justice at all. That sucks. <laughs> but whatever it was, it was cringy. And, you know, reports were that the costumes looked bad and cheap. I was never impressed with the Batgirl costume. Yeah. So. I'm not going to weigh in on, on any of the whole, like, you know, the, the, the rumors that like that Warner brothers is battling, uh, battling woke culture. Now it's like, yeah, yeah I think that's a bit overblown, but I mean, yeah. though there were rumors that potentially like the, that, and I don't know how founded there, but I, I've read rumors that like the, I, the idea for like the Batgirl and the Supergirl movies was that they, you know, they were going to kill off Michael Keaton, Batman and Batgirl was going to become bat man. I don't know how that works. And that they, and that they were going to kill off Superman and have Supergirl become, you know, the main Kryptonian hero. And, uh, no, it's a fucking terrible idea. Yeah. Like, Hey, let's take our two biggest properties and kill them and replace them with someone else. (laughs) Yeah. What? Why would you do that? And they can all coexist. Yeah. There's there's no reason you need to kill them off. It's bonkers. I did hear that when they, uh, that in the script, when they kill off Michael Keaton, that it's done like unceremoniously. It was like, like off screen or something. Like, oh, he, like they just, uh, you know, like, oh, well, did you hear Batman died? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Had a heart attack on the toilet. Yeah. And I mean, a lot, a lot of people are, are, you know, really upset because, you know, there, there's a whole cast and crew that, oh, yeah. that this... put a lot of time and a lot of effort into there. To be honest, this may sound heartless, but maybe I won't go full heartless. At least they got paid. Like, it really sucks that the world isn't going to be able to see the thing that they worked so hard on. Oh, yes, it but, will eventually. This is oh. this is going to end up at, at, at fucking Comic-Con bootleg booths This will be here. one of our schlock movie reviews. It's going to get seen eventually. There's no way they're going to keep this under wraps. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait. I want to see fucking Michael Keaton. I want to see Michael Keaton as Batman. Well, and they got uh, Brendan Fraser as Firefly. Yeah. And that sounds interesting. And uh, J.K. Simmons, I assume, is yeah, it's Commissioner, Commissioner Gordon. Gordon. There have been a couple images that have gotten dropped on uh, on the old internet. And uh, one, which is not a very good shot of Michael Keaton. Like, it's sort of, like, at a side-down angle. But, but like, it's, it's him. And you're like, oh, I can see a little bit of that suit there. Like, I just want to see the suit. I saw one of where it had Batgirl and... Michael Keaton, Batman and the director and the the director in the middle. And like, I didn't read the caption and I was like, what is this supposed to be some sort of villain? Like, who is this guy? 
because he's dressed in like this r- kind of ridiculous looking suit and he's got this giant so i thought he was like some character but no i guess that's just how the director <laughs> yeah he's just talking to them that, that's actually the batman shot i was talking about yeah most of this is financial yeah. like the, you know zasloff is looking at this and saying hey if we release this film it could and it sucks a lot it's just going to add to the you know dceu's garbage yep fucking mantra which is it doesn't need reinforcement no. i'll tell you that they may be able to save more money financially by canning it like this because they could write the entire movie off as a loss as opposed to if it goes if it goes out to theater and it makes a small amount of money they can't write the whole thing off as a loss then yeah reportedly the uh the clause that's in the contract is that they cannot release it at all if they want to write this thing off like like it's it's one or the other and apparently they can are just from what i heard they can get about 20 million in write-off for it or they can get 20 million back for it so which i mean if they released it on streaming they wouldn't make shit like nobody's signing up for hbo max for for batgirl you're gonna make zero dollars off of that and to put it in theaters they would have to spend millions in marketing and getting it into the theater like there's no question as to what you should do at this point. And, uh, but yeah, well, I mean, once that bootleg gets leaked, like I'm going to watch the ever loving shit out of it. I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm probably more likely to watch it now that it's been canned than I was if they had actually released it is the ridiculous thing. I mean, it, it has Keaton. There's no way I was not going to watch this, but I mean, it would be a bummer if the movie really sucked and his costume looks like shit. Yeah, but at least, you know, you'll be watching it with the right context now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm happy for Brendan Fraser that this is getting canned because his career needs hits. I, w- I want him yeah. to come back. Yeah, I like Brendan Fraser. Yeah. I'm glad he's back in the game because he was gone for a long time. That Aronofsky film he's in called The Whale is about to come out where he plays like a 600-pound man who like abandoned his family years ago oh, to really? run off with his, with his lover. It's supposed to be dramatic. Like, I mean, early, I mean, even though the movie, at least last time I heard anything about it, wasn't out yet. Um, but there, you know, there's like buzz for oh, like, like you know, Brendan I mean, Fraser. Do you know for his role as Firefly, did he lose some weight? Because the last I time know. I saw him was Doom Patrol and he was, he was definitely kind of chunky. Yeah. Yeah. Chunky dude. Not 600 pounds chunky. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I don't know for sure, to be honest. Interesting. Um, so I guess kind of other Warner brothers stuff like on that earnings call, they announced that next year they are going to be merging discovery plus with HBO max yes. into a single service, which I think generally is a good thing. I think there was a lot of, I mean, I saw a lot of articles of like, Oh, they're going to kill HBO max. It's like, why the fuck would they kill HBO? Like yeah. it is, it's largely regarded as one of the better streaming services right now. Yeah. It's the one that I, that I watch probably more than anything. Yeah. I can't imagine a world in which they would can it. There are rumors that they might be cutting back on original, some original programming and yeah. some original TV shows, which is not a bad thing. Like streaming services are producing altogether. Like they're just pu- pumping out stuff now. Yeah. And it's not all good. Well, like, and, it doesn't all need to be there. Netflix is proving that streaming isn't the be all end all. Like, like no. just because you have more content, you know, regardless of the, of the creators who are involved, like that doesn't just translate to money and success. Like Netflix is in a, in bad shape. So, so I think, you know, you, you need to manage your resources in a, uh, in a smarter way. Everyone saw Netflix's success, wanted to have it. The streaming landscape now is ridiculously fractured. Like discovery plus who the fuck subscribes to discovery plus nerds. 
<laughs> well, Discovery doesn't I mean, they're doing. They're, I mean, they're they're apparently doing really well if they can buy Warner Brothers, which is mind boggling. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I guess reality TV is really cheap to produce. Yeah, and that's all they do now, pretty much. Maybe I'm just thinking of Discovery in the way that we knew it when we were younger, but it's like. You know, Disney Plus has Nat Geo on there. So it's, a, you know, it, it, it can still be, it can still well, coexist. Yeah. Well, I think Discovery is made. It, Are they all like house shows now? Yeah, it's mostly like cooking shows and, and house flipping shows. Oh, and I thought really, that was like, like HGTV that went there, but, or the Learning Channel, TLC. <laughs> I think HGTV is. Oh, that is. A, yeah, by yeah that is part of Discovery. Like, yeah, like that's part of their portfolio man like it's all those tv shows like kitchen cousins and shit and yep yeah property brothers my wife loves that shit all right well something for everyone rescue she'll be excited if hbo max and discovery merge because she gets she'll be able to watch homestead rescue on streaming (laughs) i guess zaslov's from what i hear he's a big fan of unscripted television probably because it makes lots of unscripted money yeah and you can produce it real oh, quick. Fuck, it's just it's so much easier. You don't need any post-production beyond, like, motion graphics. They could call me up, and I could I could do that for them for, like, a grand. Throwing some overly dramatic music in a cut with someone's face going like, <gasps> Yeah. And then you have a commercial, and then... <laughs> oh, I need to get in on that business. They're going to, you know, merge together. I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I, I would like to see some consolidation. I mean consolidation in the streaming market because this whole you know paramount plus and fucking hulu and you know all this all these peacock cbs all access and yeah all these different services i just i i don't want it like i've heard praise good from a number of people i did hear that as well but i don't have hulu and i'm not gonna get hulu to watch it i'm just gonna i've got hulu we should watch it but i mean i guess in general if his goal is to stop putting out shitty movies and cut all the the fat and say hey let's produce some really good films in the next 10 years while marvel is screwing around with phase four and five like maybe he saw maybe he saw the the phase or the phase five and six announcements it was like oh fucking no <laughs> one cares about this shit this is our yeah. time to do justice league yep yeah yeah they're they, yeah <laughs> marvel marvel is wasting its time with all of their streaming bullshit and not doing what what got them the high regard in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, Zaslav even pulled, uh, Alan Horn out of retirement. Who's a, who's a, uh, he's an executive. I mean, he's a film executive going way back. Like I've, I've, I'm just quoting, you know, or I'm not quoting, but, uh, paraphrasing another show. I mean, the Campia show where like Alan Horn is reportedly like one of the best executives to be in the business, like, like in the past 50 years or whatever. Like he's just, he is the one that Disney pulled in, or I guess uh, Bob Iger pulled him in. He got Kevin Feige in there and and spearheaded Marvel. Like it's because oh. of Alan Horn that that Marvel exists. Uh, and Zaslav wants to find a Kevin Feige, but the problem is like you can't just find somebody. You can't just be like, hey, you come do this. You know, shepherd an entire universe of films. Oh, you can, but uh, there's no guarantee it's <laughs> yeah. going to work out. Yeah. What Kevin Feige's doing now with Marvel, like, I don't know, man. I, it, like, it, he, it, he he pulled it off once, but I don't know if he really can keep it going or not. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, Marvel's scope just got too big for one man to handle. Yeah. Like, he's got certain projects that he is still very closely involved in, but, like, he can't, 
you know, be, be the eyeballs on everything anymore. Like he was in the beginning when they were doing two, three movies a year, like he had complete control over those. Yeah. Not, not with 15 projects in 18 months or whatever it is. I think it was 18 projects in 15 15 months. months. Yeah. Yeah. Might've been, I couldn't remember. So I went with the less absurd one just in case. This is Disney. We do absurd. Yeah. So I'm like, there's no way he could have even meaningful input in every single one of those. No, it's just not possible. Yeah. So, uh, if that's their idea is that this is their opportunity to do something interesting with DC while everyone is, is, you know, drowning in Marvel in drowning in Marvel that they may not necessarily care about at that, you know, we're good fucking Agatha Harkness show for Christ's sake, (laughs) get out of the urine soaked kiddie pool of Marvel and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, hang out with the uh, Superman for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It, th- with the, the kiddie pool of Marvel, it's more like being a teenager hanging out at the comic shop with DC. Yeah. Instead of the piss filled lazy river at the water park. <laughs> like, yeah, water parks are fun and all, but the water lazy river sucks. <laughs> yeah. Ella wants to go to the, go to the water park. I'm so stoked. She got really good at swimming this summer. Nice. So yeah, she wants to go. I, I mean, it's, it's even better if I've got a kid with me, like before I needed Angelina there to, to, to make me not be a creep. But if I've got a little kid, shit, all access, baby. <laughs> Uh, uh, whoa, no, I, think that, uh, yeah, I think that sounded much creepier than everything before. <laughs> um, whoa, uh, that is the idea of this 10 year plan. Like Marvel started with a 10 year plan to get to Thanos and, and infinity war. So if, you know, if, if DC is serious about making their fucking shit happen and you know, like they, they're, they're focusing on Superman, Batman and wonder woman first and foremost. Um, what that means for Gal Gadot's uh, Wonder Woman or Henry Cavill's Superman, I don't know. Because, I mean, at this point, if you want to start something new, I say just wipe it clean. Yeah. You know, keep Jason Momoa if you want, because who gives a shit? But, I mean, let's get a new Superman. Let's get a new, different Wonder Woman in here. Because 84 left a bad taste in people's mouths. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's time to start fresh. Sorry, Henry Cavill. I mean, if they want to make a, a great Superman movie with Henry Cavill, of course I'll watch it. But I'd be more excited for something new and fresh. I don't know what they do about Batman. If they, if they keep Pattinson separate and then introduce a Batman for the DCEU, but they still want to do solo Batman movies that can tie in. So I don't know if they're going to try to, you know, muscle Pattinson into a Justice League movie in eight or 10 years. Hey, well, and there was something that came out recently where they were saying that they were going to have Affleck's Batman in Aquaman two. Yeah. He's going to show up there. And I heard a, and I heard a rumor, uh, you know, unfounded rumor that potentially Cavill w- was slated to show up as Superman at a, as an end creams end scene, end credits scene. End cream said, said it, it <laughs> in, uh, in flash flash or black Adam or no, I, I, I don't know. I heard Black that Adam. about Black it Adam. It was Black Adam. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not entirely convinced they have a plan yet, but they're yeah. acting like maybe they do. And so that's good. But I guess my bigger concern there is that, uh, you know, they're not coming into this like Marvel was, uh, the, you know, they're coming into a, a, a market that is just a wash yeah. in capes. Oversaturated. Do people have room in their hearts and minds for another comic book universe regardless of how good it is 
Yeah. Not as much as they did before, that's for sure. I don't think they could just make everything like Marvel style or like Shazam. Because we mentioned before, like Shazam seems like the most Marvel of the DC movies. I don't think they can go in with Superman and try to make it like a Shazam or a Marvel movie. Like, I think they have to elevate it to a different degree. Like, like the way, the way that like the 1978 Superman is regarded, you know, is just like a masterpiece of film. Like, what do they do? Do they, do they bring a Spielberg in? Like, do they get like a high profile creator to do something? I hope they get some actual auteurs to a degree in there, some actual directors and let them do with their vision. Cause the, you know, Marvel will get folks in there. You know, they got Sam Raimi in there for multiverse of madness, but you know, and you could see his influence in it for sure. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it was definitely Sam Raimi. Yeah. But, uh, it's a fucking machine. You're inside the Marvel machine and you, there's only so much creative freedom. Those guys get, they're yeah. super hamstrung. So they can't make anything, you know, really unique or interesting. It's got to fit the formula. It's got to, you know, it's got to be a cog in the content machine that Disney has been running for the last decade or so. God, more. Yeah. That's exactly what Marvel is. And that's why a lot of, a lot of creators don't want to go work with them. On the other hand, though, like it's a little scary because the whole last, you know, what, 10 years now of DC spun out of that mindset, you know, that Zack Snyder was you know, a a visual storyteller and a visionary and, and, uh, it ended up not going well. Yeah. They had stuff like Joker though, where they let someone kind of do their thing and it did very well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and even the Batman uh, again was kind of its own, yeah, yeah, its own thing, its own vision. And and I think financially it did fairly well, didn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It it, it was a success success for him. And I don't think it made the bill, but, uh, but. Which is so weird that Aquaman is like the DCEU's highest grossing movie. Which is, yeah, that's bizarre. That's so weird. It was a, it was a weird year when like Captain Marvel was making a billion dollars and Aquaman made a billion dollars and I don't know. It's like pre-streaming. Yeah. That's, it's when you can tell like something has, there, a shift has occurred of some variety and I don't understand it. But, um, I mean, what, what I would imagine, like when, when I heard that about the, p- potential end credits scene in black Adam, I'm like, I know people will fucking lose their minds if they don't see Henry Cavill's face or whatever, or if it's somebody else's face, they'll go, who the fuck is this? I want Henry Cavill. Wah, wah, wah. I'd say, keep it like Shazam. Don't show his face. Have a dude, you know, in a white shirt, reading a newspaper that, that, you know, has something about, I mean, even though he wouldn't get his information from the newspaper, but whatever, has something about Black Adam and Kandak on, you know, the backside. He flips it over and then puts the paper down, you know, cameras below his face, rips open his shirt, Superman symbol, or, you know, stands up and rips open his shirt. There you go. There, There's the promise of the Black Adam Superman thing. Dwayne the Rock Johnson said, well, it depends on who's wearing the cape. So it could be Cavill. It could not be. We don't need to commit ourselves to it right now, but fucking get people excited for Superman. There are people out there who are excited for Superman. I think there's more of us than any of us actually believe because the, the, the overall narrative is just that Superman's a fucking weenie and he sucks. But he's a boring character because he's nigh invulnerable. He's got no flaws. Like Dan from the movie seller's opinion, like, ah, he's just, he's not interesting because he can't, he can't be beat and he's too perfect. 
Just write a story where he can be beat. He can. Get fucking Brainiac in there. Yeah, there's plenty of great Superman stories. There's plenty of ways to challenge Superman. Like, just because a bank robber has no chance of giving him any sort of trouble doesn't mean that nobody can give him any sort of trouble. It just has to be big. Like, like look at the MCU. Like, a bank robber doesn't challenge Captain America or Spider. It doesn't challenge any of them. That's, like, how you open it up. Yeah. Like, that's that's not the challenge. Uh, I mean, I think the other niche that DC could fill to a degree is... Uh, I, I'd like them to make some superhero movies for adults. Yeah. You know, and I'm not, I'm not talking about, like, super porn. But, like... Oh, never mind. Not interested. <laughs> like, uh, just, you know, just make movies that are thematically adult, that deal with more adult themes, because they're not afraid to go rated R. And that doesn't mean I want to see, like, you know, Superman punching people's brains out or, you know, like a gory, dirty, dark. Yeah, we Superman. don't need no. the boys with DC characters. No, no we, yeah, exactly. No, nobody climbing in anybody's penis. But stuff that adults are interested in, and don't worry about trying to appeal to 13-year-olds. Yeah. You could appeal to my inner 13-year-old if you'd like with a cool, like, big, giant fight scene or something. Yeah. Like, explosions and shit. Like, that's fine. But, you know, keep it like the Batman or or Joker. We're both yeah. a bit more mature in their themes. And they where they, you know, there was a bit more nuance. It wasn't just good guy punch, bad guy make joke. You know, I have, I have some, some depth and some real consequences where people could die. You know, like, some actual stakes is is where i think dc could get a leg up on marvel because i don't think marvel's capable of doing any sort of anything with real stakes no anything that i give a shit about no they they seem completely incapable of it because they're hamstrung by the disney mentality yep yep and that and that's why you have thor who's an idiot and a joke and a hulk who is who's just big and green and smiley yeah and just just he he's only there for laughs anymore. What what is even happening? And no and nobody's dying. Like there's no there's no stake. There's no what is even threatening the world. I, I guess everyone's scared because like it, I guess the latest threat was Wanda, and I guess she was kind of she was scarier ish, and she did kill some people. Like that was yeah. cool, but no one that fucking mattered. Yeah, no one that's gonna that's going to affect the future of storytelling in in Marvel. No, like if they had cut that entire scene out. Everything in the universe would be exactly the same still. That's yeah. that's the kind of stakes Marvel likes or Disney likes to have is stakes where if if they didn't happen, nothing would change. Yeah, we're still good. Status quo. <laughs> so you know, well, let's bump it up a bit. Yeah. Keep me guessing, DC, please. Yeah. And give me a Superman movie right now. Give me an announcement right now. It can come in three years. I, I would rather it didn't. I mean, it, it would probably have to. Uh, yeah, I'd rather it did. Oh, <laughs> good call. <laughs> well, no, I mean, come on. Just universe everything align. Give me give me the best Superman movie to ever exist in one year. Challenge issued. Don't fail me. Secret Superman. They've been working on it for the last five years, and they just kept it under wraps. Oh, man. Can Releases you imagine? Oh. <laughs> uh, all right. I think yeah. that's all the Warner Brothers I got in me. Yeah. All right. And, you know... The entirety of the human race tries to avoid it, but we can't. Taxes. Yeah. <laughs> now we we got to talk about we got to talk about a few deaths here. I know this one's going to hit you extra hard with your interest, but screen legend Paul Servino died. 
I mean, yeah, I, mean, I know who that is at least. Oh, wait, really? What the fuck? I, ah, I, was, I was doing that as a joke after the James <laughs> Conn thing. I mean, I love Paul Servino. I mean, wh- whether it's Polly from Goodfellas or uh, or Lips Manless and uh, Dick, Dick Tracy. Tracy. Yeah, with a lot of makeup on. Yeah. I mean, wait, so you're really just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know who Paul Servino is, but the James Conn. Oh, I geez. don't have anything to say about him, but I, yeah, yeah, no. I know who he is. It's, yeah, he played, uh, he played Eddie, what's it, in uh, Rocketeer, the, the mobster. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of those mob guys yeah, in like yeah. every movie that he's ever yeah. been in. Paul Servino is great. Um, so it, unfortunately, we we did lose him, and I I'm I'm sorry to have made his his uh, his death into a joke, <laughs> but like, wow, it really didn't play out the way I thought it was going to. I think I know who he is because he's got a shtick. Yeah, you know, he's like he's that guy that does that thing in a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. So like, I I, I recognize him, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. I have nothing to say about him other no. than he was in a lot of mobster movies. Yeah, and um, the one the, the one that hit me a little harder was David Warner. Is he one of the Warner brothers? No, I mean maybe if he's got siblings, <laughs> he is a Warner brother. Um, no, David Warner is a is a uh, English uh, character actor who's just been in a ton of things. But where he hit my life uh, the most was uh, two spots. He played uh, the, oh, oops, I don't remember his name, and I could have looked it up, but I didn't. He plays the doctor in, uh, or the scientist in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. Okay. Yeah. The, 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 the bumbly British scientist. Well, maybe not bumbly, but the British scientist. And he was the voice of Ra's al Ghul in Batman the Animated Series. And oh, okay. he was... Perfect for yes, that. That when, was a solid Rachel Gould yeah. voice. Whenever I hear, whenever I like read a comic with Rachel Gould, it's his voice, and like you know, Rachel in the comics refers to Batman as detective. So I always hear that hear that detective, detective. The, the way he says it, detective. Oh, I love it, David Warner. R.I.P. He, he was he's a a great voice, and he was. I mean, he was in a ton of other stuff too. I I, I feel bad. I don't have a list up in front, but. Well, I feel worse because I didn't even know who he was. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, it's, it's, that, that's, that's just one of those things in my brain occupying space that, that something that could benefit my life should occupy, but it doesn't. Um, and then, of course, we've got, we've got your gal. Uh, Nichelle Nichols, best known as Ohura on the original Star Trek. Uh, she was, uh, I mean... A pioneer, I don't think, is too too strong a word there. I mean, she was one of the first black women in primetime TV that held, like, a position of authority. Like, I mean, she wasn't, like, someone's secretary. Like, she yeah, was... or the cleaning staff yeah, or something. Yeah, she, yeah, she was a bridge crew member, like, a member of the, you know, a full-fledged officer in the crew. And, and in Star Trek, she was always treated as, as an equal. Like, she was shown as just a, an intelligent, capable member of the crew, just like any other member of the crew. And uh, I guess she actually considered quitting after the first season because she, she was a stage actress before this. And I guess she like toured with Duke Ellington too, as a singer for a while before Star Trek. Wow. But uh, she got offered like a, a show on Broadway and she's like, well, I like doing stage more than this anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go do that. And then she was at some dinner and uh, like uh, her manager was like, hey, a fan wants to meet you. And it was Martin Luther King. Oh, cool. And he was like, hey, I love what you do. And she's like, yeah, I'm thinking about quitting and going to Brian. He was like, you can't quit. Like right now, you're the only 
role model for young women and African-Americans on TV doing this right now. Like what you're doing is an important part of the civil rights movement. And, you know, she was kind of blown away by the idea. She'd never really thought of what she was doing as something that important. It's just playing a role. And then Martin Luther King comes up and says, you're as as important as as shit I'm doing. Keep it up. And so she kept it up. Wow. And did it till the end of the series and, and after. Like she was in... You know, she was the voice of her in the animated series. And I mean, you know, as as with all those, you know, the main bridge crew from Star Trek. I mean, yeah, Star was, Trek lifers. Yeah, it's their main identity now. I mean, it's inescapable. Even if you, you wanted to get away from it, you couldn't. That's wild. And I mean, like, the, the, the world, like, even just 60 years ago was so different. Like, oh, yeah. Didn't. Didn't uh, she and and uh, William Shatner share an on-screen kiss that that was like controversial? Well, it was yeah, it was the first interracial on-screen kiss in American TV. Wow! If I recall correctly, like it was uh, it was because they were being like the premise in the show, like they were being mind controlled. <laughs> to do it or something. Don't worry, Middle America. <laughs> Kurt didn't actually want to do that. Wow. I read something a while ago. I wish I had the quote. It was it was funny, but she got like a, a letter from like a, a like a, a white male fan in the south saying like like I don't usually abide by this sort of behavior. That's but, right. But if a woman of your stature or whatever is in Kirk's arms, of course he's gonna kiss her or some shit. Like that. <laughs> so like it, like it was controversial to a degree because it hadn't been done before. Yeah. But it wasn't something that a bunch of people got really mad about. They, oh, you know, okay. they were like, it felt right. You know, and they'd kind of, you know, I think they'd kind of built up, built people's tolerance to that up over the series. You yeah. Know, yeah. The like years, like you know? that, that kind of fits with the, with the ethos of Star Trek. Absolutely. Yeah. So, it, I mean, she was, she was huge there. And then after that, she worked with NASA for years, do it, trying to recruit and help promote, um, women, communications. women, women <laughs> as a communications officer, <laughs> uh, uh, promoting and recruiting, um, women and minorities into the space program. Yeah. Like, like her, she's like a NASA ambassador. Yeah. To well, the public. Uh, uh, I can't remember what the organization was called, but it was instrumental. Like they, they were the ones that recruited Sally ride into oh, NASA cool. and shit. So that's, that's my kid's real life hero yeah you know her fake heroes are batman and ninja turtles but <laughs> but like she loves sally ride to death oh yeah you saw her yeah, running around in sally ride suit last yeah, night that was awesome so yeah she had an impact and she's a legendary um i guess she she had a stroke in uh, some time ago like like the 2018 i think she got diagnosed with dementia and kind of disappeared from public oh. life Okay. Had like the the typical rich person with a manager managing their money and their family gets mad and says you're taking advantage of her and yeah all that bullshit. The Stanley, yeah, same shit. That you know you, you you get old and someone tries to you know take advantage of it. Well, I hope I have money. Somebody can try to take advantage yeah, of. Yeah, right. Hopefully they'll they'll be taking care of me <laughs> a little bit too. So, but yeah, she died of heart failure at 89. What la- last week? I think it was last. Yeah, week. yeah. yeah. Well, R.I.P. to our uh, to our to our pop culture icons here, of various degrees. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it, it. Somebody's done something right when you have a lot to say about them when when uh, when they've died. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's your measure, people. Try and live up to that. <laughs> Hopefully when I go, there, there'll, be a, there'll be a special episode. John who? That's like four hours long. <laughs> the life and times of Jonathan D. Williams. Well, let's get the fuck out of here. Oh, wait a minute. 
I've got this Justice League of America DVD in front of me. Did we happen to get any calls? I heard we got one at some point. We did. Let's listen to the first one. Oh, we got more than one? No, we didn't. Shit. <laughs> I was just going to play it off like we did. But Oh, no. whoops. If I win this again for being the only caller, I deserve to win it. That's why I deserve to win. You know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Well, congratulations, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I feel like uh, like we we upset Eric in Texas. He doesn't call us anymore. Maybe he just likes good movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, Joey, I've got a movie to add to the list of movies you're not going to watch ever, but I'm also never going to watch it again, so I don't need it on my shelf. Uh, hopefully you have or will have watched uh, Fantastic Four in the near future so we can talk about it. You, I would love it if you watched either of these and called and gave a review. That would be great. Oh, speaking of reviews, we do have a new review. Hooray! Uh, this uh, comes via the uh, the comic book keepers, one of our uh, Geekly Grind podcasts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Uh, they do a good show. They like they go through and do like deep dives on characters, and give you like you know you know they'll do Moon Knight or something, and give you like you know here's our suggested reading list, what you should check out. And they give you a history of the characters. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, other comic book related stuff, but they, they, they are definitely worth a listen if you're into comics. Uh, but they left us a review that says nerdy nostalgia, just listened to the Mega Man episode and had flashbacks of my youth playing for hours. Ben and John kept the conversation flowing with great humor and nostalgia filled rants. Definitely a nerdy podcast must listen. Woo. All right, everyone be like the comic book keepers and, uh, and Joey and interact with us. We love it. Give us a call. Or... Uh, did we want to do recommendations? Oh, I forgot about recommendations. Well, I can recommend something. Yeah. Well, you're thinking about what you can recommend. Yeah. I finally got around to reading uh, The Last Ronin. Like, I, I set it up on Comixology to buy when the graphic novel came out to mm -hmm. just get them all at once. And uh, they, like, opened up my tablet the other day and was like, there it was. I was like, all right, cool. And uh, it was good. I, I liked it. It had a very a good, satisfying... Um, ending like it was it was it was a good final story for the turtles which is what it was meant to be and yeah. like i didn't know that it was a story that they'd written like 30 years ago oh shit eastman and laird had written a version of it 30 years ago as like you know this would be a cool final turtles story but they're like you know and then the turtles started making them millions of dollars yeah. so it, it probably didn't seem like the right time to end it uh so they they put it they left it you know, just sitting there for 30 years and then kind of came back to it and reworked it and, you know, kind of worked some of the, the lore that had, you know, been created between now and then into it. Uh -huh. And uh, it was it, it was just a good, solid, final story. Like, I mean, they're still making comics. That's fine. But like, this is this is how it ends. And I, and I like that. I like I like having stories like that for some of these characters. You know, what's funny is that, you know, it, it drew the comparisons of being like, you know, the dark Knight returns for, uh, for Ninja turtles. And when you think about it, if they wrote it all the way back then, it probably was like directly inspired by the, the yeah. then current popularity right? of the dark Knight returns. So like, let's do that with a, with a turtle. I should go back and read that. I, I, I did you I'd ever like finish? It. Did you, did no. you read all I, the way through the end? No, I, I think I only got one issue in. Because it, it had a really shitty uh, release schedule. Yes, it did. Yeah, that's. I, I think I also got one issue in and then was like, all right, uh, 
I'm just going to wait till these all come out before I read them because I don't like waiting six months yeah. between issues. Uh, though there's nothing wrong with that. You could wait up to a year for a really great comic, right? Uh-huh. Like, like like space oddities, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I'm, I'm kind of dead on recommendations. So I'm going to recommend a two-parter here. Both making a comic book because it's awesome when you make a comic book and uh, and you see it in print because we got our we got our print did, proofs yeah. this week made a couple adjustments and um, they are going to the printer for the uh, for the official run. Yeah, I, re- I I made the changes and released it this morning. So Monday morning they should start printing those bad boys. Oh shit! And then the second part of that recommendation is if you didn't join in on the Kickstarter, I still love you. But uh, get in contact with us. Get yourself a copy. We're going to fill our Kickstarter um, rewards first. But then I imagine by the end of the month, it'll be, uh, it'll be free for all. Or, or, whoa, sorry. not It won't be free for all. <laughs> it won't be it free will be for anyone. a free for all. You, know, you, you can go ahead and you can hit us up. We still have copies of the first issue. Um, you can buy both of them if you want. That, that would end up, I mean, that would be 68 pages of comic books for like 10 bucks. That's pretty great. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, we also have sketch covers of the, um, or sorry, I guess blank variants of the first issue. If you want that as your first issue or just to have a piece of art, uh, either one of us will draw something on there for you. I recommend having John draw you something on there. I enjoy it. So I'll, I'll back that recommendation <laughs> up too. All right. If you enjoyed today's show, uh, drop by, give us a review. Be like the comic book keepers at, uh, Apple podcast or Podchaser. Uh, we have uh, we have merch available at shop.geeksplorationpodcast.com. You can find Space Oddities at spaceodditiescomic.com um, or on it's you know the digitally on Comicsology or Drive Through Comics or Global Comics. Uh, we've got a Discord where we give away a game every time we do one of these episodes, and this week we're going to give away Spelunky. I guess it's a classic indie game now. I mean, it was like one of the first big indie game. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Scene, yeah, yeah, a little guy jump around in like tombs and caves, and you go spelunking, uh, yeah, yeah, kill things, do archaeology kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's fun, uh, and we're part of the Geekly Grind podcast network, uh, along with Comic Book Keepers. So go check us and uh, all those other nerds out. Uh, our theme song is "Celebration" by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Bye. Later. Hello, Geek Explorers. My name is Jeremy, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind, a site dedicated to all things geeky. From video games to anime, D&D, board games, comics, and more, since 2015, we've worked to provide fresh geek content and reviews weekly. A big part of our content expansion has been the creation of our very own podcast network, of which this very show has become a part of. If you're listening to this, chances are you need no introduction to the awesome commentary that John and Ben are serving up weekly on everything from Saturday morning cartoons nostalgia to recapping Disney's latest crazy announcements and much more. However, if you're looking for more podcasts to fill your commute, or maybe you have a new working from home arrangement, we've got a few other shows to spotlight that would be a great addition to any geek's media menu. First, there's Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a fantastic series that spotlights anime and manga, new and old. On Mondays, they review more recent releases, while Fridays are reserved for older titles. Anime not really your thing? How about comic books? Join Lance and Chris over at Comic Book Keepers as they discuss comic books, heroes, and their impact on our lives. 
Maybe you're a big Dungeons & Dragons fan. Well, I would invite you to join the Knights of the Rolled Table, a comedic and family-friendly audio drama featuring a cast of improv actors bringing their unique flair to D&D. Whatever your geeky interests, chances are we've got a podcast for you, and we're excited to offer convention access, giveaway content, and more as part of our partnership with Geek Exploration in the future. See you out in the Geekosphere.